happening there? Have we relied on inbound tourism too much? How will my business ever recover? The way people travel around Australia is surely going to change. Welcome back to Grounded. Thanks for staying with me for episode three. I'm Angela Stevenson and this podcast series is about the effect of the COVID-19 pandemic on general aviation in Australia. Helping you to get an understanding for what is really going on out there in all the different sectors. Maybe leading you to some of your own conclusions even asking yourself some important questions about your business or flying, and perhaps helping you to find some ways forward through this crisis. In this episode, we're looking a little more deeply into air tour charters and how that area of the industry has been affected. And as always, you have the chance to ask questions or leave comments at www.rightspeakfly.com forward slash grounded. Next week, I'll have the inimitable Paul Bennett in the hot seat talking about how he sees the pandemic as affecting not only air shows, but the industry as a whole. And he's been around a bit. With me today on the phone, I have Wendy Mann of Geraldton Air Charter, uh, almost as far west as he can get in Australia. Thanks so much for being with me today, Wendy. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Angela. Pleasure to be talking to you. Geraldton Air Charter is based at Geraldton Airport, where around 120,000 passengers use the airport each year. It services a gorgeous coastal region of Western Australia, with air tour charters, some aerial work and some FIFO work. So, Wendy, how has the pandemic affected your operation? Our business is decimated by it because um, we specialise in Chinese tourism. So we actually got hit about a month before everybody else when um, people from mainland China were prohibited in coming to Australia. We'd already flown about uh, 1,500 Chinese people. They love coming to see our Pink Lake and the Abrolhos Islands. And, of course, it was Chinese New Year or just after when the, the ban was um, instigated. So all of a sudden we just had zero people coming from mainland China. We still had people from Hong Kong coming, um, but they seemed to come in reduced numbers. So our turnover has been decreased by about 90%. We also had a, a double whammy because of the fact that the Geraldton Fishermen's Co-ops, one of the biggest suppliers of crayfish or rock lobster to China and because they were cutting it or stopping all their New Year's um, celebrations in China, suddenly they weren't able to sell any crayfish to China. So the fishermen weren't fishing and the flights that we had taking family and friends and the fishermen themselves over to the Abrolhos, they stopped as well. So it's just been terrible and closing the state borders and we actually have a regional border closure as well so that people coming from Perth cannot go any further than just north of Durian Bay without having to go into isolation. So that meant that a lot of our Easter flights where normally on Easter Thursday we have up to 20 flights taking people, family, friends out to the um, to the Abrolhos Islands. We had five this Easter and normally the whole of Easter is frantically busy for us but it was virtually dead 
So it's affected us hugely. And you occasionally charter into remote Indigenous communities. I've heard that many of those isolated communities have been closed entirely. Um, How has that affected your operations? At the moment, you can't go into the uh, the Aboriginal communities unless you have a really good reason. They have been closed, as you say in your question, closed entirely. We did actually ring our state emergency services to see if they thought anyone needed to be flown back to the communities. But our government is giving any Indigenous person who wants to go home to their community $250 to get themselves back there. And they said there would be no intervention by the government with organising flights for them. Right. So they've, it's, it's almost like an exemption that if they're going in and they're returning home... Yes, they can get an exemption. In fact, they've wanted them. I think the government wanted the Indigenous people to go home. And although you don't currently rely much on FIFO work, what if commercial air transport becomes a monopoly? Say one of the RPT carriers that currently service your area is not around in the near future. Could this FIFO work pick up for charter airlines or smaller regional airlines? It could do. I don't think it will, though, because, you see, we haven't had Virgin into Geraldton for about four months anyway. Why was that? Oh, they just... They stopped their service into Geraldton, believed that they weren't getting supported as much as they should have been, but they were, you know, in the habit of um, cancelling flights at late notice and leaving lots of people in the lurch. And so people weren't supporting them because of that. And so then they just pulled their service out altogether. Hmm. Qantas has cut their flights back considerably as well. Right. Since the beginning of the pandemic or previous to that? No, since the the pandemic. And is the FIFO work still as busy as ever? Is that still happening? It is, yes. The other aviation company in Geraldton, which is bigger than us, they do quite a bit of FIFO work. And we've had a couple of queries from people who had workers um, up at Mount Newman who needed to get back. But since the the package that was announced on, the, I think it was Friday, Thursday or Friday, uh, Virgin and Qantas are upping their flights to those areas. So, you know, none of those um, charters that I quoted for have come off because, you know, suddenly Qantas are, are back serving that area. A lot of the mining places, you know, if you look on flight radar like I did last night, you know, there's one coming back from a mine called Barramanya and and you've got all the Fortescue metal mm. flights. They're all charter flights. So they're still all going. So how has your aerial work been affected? Well, it probably hasn't affected us a lot. But is that just a small part of your business or is That's that a... just a very small part of our business. Right, and, okay. And we don't do fly-in, fly-out, or we do. We have one or two trips a week for the CSIRO out to their square kilometre array and they haven't reduced those, but they've reduced the number of people flying so that we can space them out mm-hmm. in the aeroplane. On that, being required to space people out... How are you doing that? How are you coping with the distancing requirements? Well, right from the word go, right back in early February, 
our pilots wore, started to wear masks because I did have a number of, of um, t- or two Taiwanese pilots and one from Hong Kong working for me. And they're quite used to wearing masks because of the SARS over there. Sure. So we started wearing masks straight away, supplying hand sanitizer completely, you know, um, added disinfections of the planes and making sure all the door handles were were clean on our toilets and the, the doors into the office and reception area. Now we, we've got, we managed to procure a whole lot of um, disposable plastic seat covers which we put over the, the seats of the aeroplanes for our flights and again really sanitise the aeroplanes well. With our charters, anyone that was still wanting to go to the Abrolhos Islands for Easter, we reduced numbers. We we made them close charters so that only family members could go, and we were able to procure masks through one of our pilots who's you know has family in Hong Kong because we couldn't buy them anywhere. But he managed to get some through his mother in Hong Kong, mm. so we were supplying masks to everyone or selling them to them or otherwise they had to bring their own. Mm. And in regards to these increased hygiene measures, do you think they need to be embedded in regulation? Look, I think that the added hygiene requirements are very good and I think probably people will will keep doing those more intense cleaning you know, even when it's over, I don't think it needs to be regulated, but certainly I think we'll probably all continue to do it. We actually built a, my son made up a bulkhead which just slips in in the air van, slips behind the pilot and the co-pilot's seat. And so he, we've been able to separate the air from the front cabin or the pilot's area from the, the passengers because we did that for one of the government departments that manages the, the national park out at the Abrolhos so that they could still go and do their work out there. And that seems to have worked quite well. And then with the seat covers and that type of thing. Mm. And it, it just slips in. It's not a fixture. So, it, you know, didn't need an engineering order or anything like that. What about uh, the fragility of the industry? I've spoken about this with both of my um, previous interviewees. As a whole, do you agree it's fragile? Oh, absolutely. Really fragile. We've had to... Because we sort of got hit a month earlier than anyone else, we started planning almost immediately because we could see what huge losses we were going to be faced with. And we did manage to make some of our people redundant but it's got to the stage now where I've got one full-time pilot because I've put off 15 staff in total now so we have just one full-time pilot two of the one girl and one of the guys that we had to make redundant they have stayed in town so we're able to give them a little bit of casual work Mm. but yeah the whole thing's very fragile it's difficult getting refunds on insurance we've put a few insurance a few of our planes on just ground risk and we tried to cancel our tour liability insurance because we're just not doing any tours the people are not the insurance companies are not being very cooperative because i guess it affects them they've got to give you a refund the whole thing's very very fragile Mm. The conversations I've had previously on Grounded have indicated that general aviation really needs to work together better as an industry. 
How do you feel about that? Does it ring true for you? Mm, well, to be quite honest, I think we do work together quite well anyway, and so hopefully that will continue. Like the, as I mentioned, the other company down the road from us, we try and work together when we can. When we used to have an overflow. Well, before we got another aeroplane to cope with our overflow with the Chinese, we'd hire his aeroplane to do it. So I think we, as two operators in Geraldton, work pretty well together. Mm. Do you think that industry associations could help even more in that regard? I think AOP has been quite active, helping try and get a bit of funding, as has our AAA I was invited to become a sort of a, an honorary member of that once this happened and they, from what I can see, they have done a lot of work with trying to get general aviation recognised as getting a little bit of support because really the support seems to have been directed at Qantas, Virgin, Rex, those bigger regional airlines or, you know, the big airlines and then the regional airlines, but they seem to have completely forgotten about general aviation to the small charter operators like myself and our AAA did help make the government a little bit more aware of general aviation I think. And you've been in this business for 23 years even though the depth of the current economic crisis is clearly far far greater than say the global financial crisis in the late 2000s and the extent of the health crisis far more than say in SARS in 2010. Is it similar in nature to previous economic issues? Never seen anything like this and I don't think it's similar to the, the um, financial crisis before. Mm. It's surreal. So from your perspective, in what ways is it different? Well, because all the businesses in, in sort of every realm have had to close or reduce their services or we didn't see that before. Mm. And, you know, every day I drive past the Centrelink office and the queue every day is, is getting bigger and bigger or longer and longer every mm. day. There are suddenly a lot of unemployed ATPL pilots, or well, they're not technically unemployed, they've been stood down. Uh, yes. So do you foresee an increased availability of CFIs or experienced charter pilots, etc.? Do you think this will happen? Well, I think a lot of them are looking for jobs. Uh, someone mentioned to me the other day, a fellow operator in the um, eastern states, and she said she'd had an application from a an airline pilot, ex-airline pilot, who said he thought he might go back to GA for a small, for a a short time. But I I don't know if any of these people are going to be able to get jobs. Maybe in, in, say, with some of the bigger charter operators in Perth. But, you know, I've had to put off all my, my pilots bar one. And I sort of think that some of these airline pilots wouldn't be very happy flying a 172 or an air van. So I think there's going to be a lot of them that will be looking for jobs Mm. and not getting a job. Yes, well, maybe not as a pilot. Uh, Thank goodness many of them have translatable skills that they can take to another industry. And in relation to the future, what do you think the air tour future will look like, given the likelihood of reduced discretionary income in many households? I think the future looks disastrous, to be quite honest. 
because it's going to take some time for the, the state borders to be opened up. It's going to take, you know, with a lot of the people with their reduced income, they're probably not going to be able to take tours or even travel a lot. I believe that it'll, we will be lucky to see any Chinese back here before maybe Chinese New Year next year. And I'm also worried about having listened to our Minister for Foreign Affairs speak on TV on the weekend because I think there's going to be a lot of developing tension between Australia and China. I wouldn't be surprised if the Chinese government decides that they don't let their people travel anymore because it's only four, five years ago that they opened up travel to their people. And I think if the, the tension between our countries escalates any more, they're likely to just say, well, we're not going to let our people travel to Australia. And so for us, the future looks very, very doubtful. Oh, well, yes, regarding our relationship with China and their outbound tourism, isn't it extraordinary that we have just come to accept it as fact? But for them, this is a relatively new thing. It is, yes. And a popular thing with the Chinese now I mean, it's a trip of a lifetime for them. And I, I'm really worried about whether it's going to come back. And um, how do you see tourism operators coping with those changes? Do you think that they'll have to reimagine themselves or will they look to other markets? I think we'll probably just have to reinvent ourselves a little bit more for the Australian market because also the whole international tourism market, it's going to take some time to come back. In relation to a return to normal, and I'm not tying anybody to anything because the truth is nobody really knows, uh, but with your experience of the ups and downs of the economy over the past two decades in this industry, do you have a gut feeling for when you think the market for air charter tours might start to come back? Probably not before the end of the year. You know, early next year, the thing will hopefully come back. Mm. And so do you think your method of approaching this will be, look, we just have to hang on and we have to keep operating at 10% until such time as it does come back? Or are you looking to do things differently sooner than that? No, look, we're just sort of, I guess we're in survival mode at the moment. We sort of worked out what our income would be on the, the two or three charter flights a week that we know should happen every week and we've based our employment figures on that and yeah trying to run the place on the smell of an oily rag as we used to say reduced office staff and if people want to fly it at a particular time and i've only got the one pilot who's flying we just have to we say to them i'm sorry you'll have to go at such and such a time not at your preferred time so we can't be as serviceable as we used to be because we have to set the, the rules a little bit more than we used to. Speaking of rules, say you have a business that says we need to get some people from X to Y. How do yeah. you decide or what are the rules around what is essential travel? Yeah, well, if they're being moved, say, from where they're working to back home, you can, there is a form that you can get approved by the police to bring them, to bring those people back. Yes, so we'd weigh it all up very carefully, whether those people had perhaps been working together, whether they're a family unit, if they're prepared to pay more for the bigger aeroplane so they can be separated, keep some distance. 
yeah, lots of factors there. Mm. And is that a state-based rule that you get the form from the police? Uh, I believe it's just a West Australian one, and that's to go across over the regions. And how do these regions work? So if you're going from here to Perth, you can only go as far as just north of Durian Bay, and that is our regional border, or you can go all the way out to Waluna. You can travel quite a distance, but even some of the, the smaller towns like Mullawa, which has a big Indigenous population, they're checking on people that are coming into Mullawa as well. And, and those regions also relate to flight travel as well? I believe so, yes. And finally, Wendy, have you had an I did not see that coming moment that you can share with us? Oh, I think I have. Yeah, you just sort of think, you know, it, it, yeah, you just can't believe it. And I and I worried about the fact that I may have had all my eggs in the one basket, but one of my friends who has a hotel resort here, he said he had been, you know, getting a lot of Chinese people at his um, his place as well, and he said, Wendy, there weren't any other eggs around, so... It certainly is something we didn't see coming. And, and I guess you build on the, the turnover that you've got at the time and all your forward bookings and and then to suddenly lose it all, it's, mm. yeah, just devastating. Mm. Is it, Do you think there'll be a way that Geraldton Air Charter will reimagine itself in the next 12 months? Oh, yeah, we'll do something to, to make sure we're still here. Mm. Thank you very much, Wendy, for taking no the time to talk to me today. Okay. Thank you, and stay safe in this weird world. Yeah, you too. Okay. And that was Wendy Mann of Geraldton Air Charter in coastal Western Australia, whom I can't thank enough for being willing to have a frank and honest conversation during this difficult time. I'm sure I'm not alone in saying we all hope that all of our beloved small and family general aviation businesses find a way to get through this. Let's work together and find some ways to help everyone get back on their feet. Once again, it's time to have your say. Hop on over to www.rightspeakfly.com forward slash grounded to participate in the discussion. Here's this week's questions. Were we just taking the inbound Chinese tourism market for granted? Is there anything we should be doing in this space to help it get back on track? What do you think our government should be doing? What happens when these businesses begin to recover and start rehiring pilots? Will the current situation, the awards and entitlements be suitable for an industry that has experienced financial meltdown? Will they recover? Can GA really expect to recover in the foreseeable future? And of course, my bonus question, What about insurances, rates, leasing agreements? How is your business renegotiating these? And should state or federal government step in to ensure it ends up being fair and reasonable for all parties? Or should aviation simply get a special deal? I'm looking forward to your company when I interview Paul Bennett of Paul Bennett Air Shows next week. What air show questions do you have? I'm sure you have lots, I do. What do you think about Paul holding the online streaming event May 2nd? Excited? 
As always, don't be av bored. Australian Flying Magazine May June issue is out now. Read up about the fabulous twatter, brush up on your night landings, find out how light sport aircraft have changed general aviation. And there's a flight test of the Technam P2010 Mark II. There's also an article on the genius of Bert Rutan, aircraft designer extraordinaire, written by me. Have you got a subscription? If not, thankfully news agents are still considered essential services. This has been episode three of Grounded, a podcast series for rightspeakfly.com. I'm Angela Stevenson. I can't thank you enough for listening in again. Stay safe. Don't forget how lucky we are to be in this industry and to spread those wings and spread the love of aviation. Remember, you can always go round. <laughs>